This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! To the win! Hello and welcome to Dunks and Discourse, episode 51, or the Boban edition this time around. I'm Jabari Davis, as usual, and today I'll be joined by BasketballNews.com's host of the Posecast podcast, Jameson Welsh, uh, to get into a ton of NBA-related topics, obviously including the NBA Finals, where at the time of this recording, the Lakers hold a 3-1 lead over the Heat, and uh, we'll be trying to close things out on Friday night, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, but before we get into that series, talk to me about the Posecast podcast with uh, with yourself and obviously the two two-time NBA champ, uh, James Posey, because you've already had a roster of legends on there for the, through the first, what, six or seven episodes, right? Definitely, definitely, and thank you for having me. Definitely appreciate it. Um, you know, this came about like a year ago. Um, you know, we actually met in Vegas for another project. Uh, we interviewed him for like 45 minutes, and he was really cool. Chemistry was good, and then uh, this opportunity came about, and all of a sudden, um, you know, the CEO of the website, uh, Scott Hill, uh, he's good friends with Posey, and we one thing led to another, and uh, we made it happen. And you know that's uh, how everything kind of came about. Uh, so with that being said, you have an assistant coach that basically took a year off. Uh, he you know he wanted to experiment, try some different things. Uh, he you know said let's try a podcast, and it's worked. And we've had uh, Ray Allen, we've had Udonis Haslam, David West, Tina Thompson, John Lucas. Um, I know I'm probably oh. Mario Ellie, um, we've had Antoine Walker. Guests. Antoine Walker, yes. Sorry, uh, this is a lot of guests. We've we've you. done a lot of shows in the camp already. A lot of good episodes that are uh, have not come out yet. But yeah, it's been it's been an amazing situation. Uh, you know, Pose has grown uh, so much over a short amount of time. He's uh, very very comfortable now. I think he can actually go on TV and do his own thing. So it would be very impressive going forward for him. Uh, but yeah, he's he's awesome. Uh, he I have I can't say enough good things about him. Yeah, I mean obviously it, it you know for anybody that you know definitely make sure you know we'll, we'll get all the locations after this, but definitely make sure you check this out because it's very good stuff. They have they already have good chemistry. It's obvious. So now you telling me that you guys met a year ago, this made that makes a little bit more sense. You know because to be honest with you, it seems like you guys have been you know going at this for a while. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to it. I won't ask you you know I won't ask you for any of the secrets that are coming up that you already have that you already have down the road or anything. But I will like I said recommend that folks go ahead and check that out. Uh, but before before we transition to the finals, what else does the site feature? Because I've also seen some other pretty dope names and dope folks outside of yourself and Posey, of course. Yes. Yeah, so actually, uh, Wednesday, we just uh, have Troy Brown, um, third-year guy, or soon-to-be third-year guy, out of the Washington uh, Wizards um, swing man. He's going to be one of their best players going forward uh, from Las Vegas, went to college in Oregon. Uh, very, very good young player. Uh, we're doing a podcast. Uh, we're basically doing like a diary type situation with him, oh, as well as some other items. Going to do some writing as well. So um, 
you know, there's other guys. Well, there's one person I can't name yet because the ink's not dry on the contract. Uh, but he plays in the Pacific Division. He's a younger guy. That's all I can say. I can't say anything else. And it's not an L.A. team. So oh, okay, okay. You yeah. know I'm gonna, you know I'm gonna have to try to pressure you about that personally, but that's right. okay. I, I, res- I respect it. I respect right. it. Uh, all but right. No, there's a lot of former athletes and then writers. You have a lot of people, a lot of experienced guys. You got Alex Kennedy. Uh, you have uh, a lot of in his team. Uh, Nick yeah, Spencer is, Davies. Yeah, Nikias. Spencer Davies. Nikias. Yeah, a lot of those guys as well. They put out work, quality work every day. It seems like so. Uh, yes, it's just a really good show, a really good site. It's basically where. Uh, Athletes meet analytics. So there's both of the player talk with like guys like Eton Thomas that give you like the real on out games to play. I also pose you as well. And then you have uh, you know a lot of analytics stuff and a lot of paperwork like that as well. Uh, so it's uh it's the best of both worlds to be honest with you. It's really cool. That's exactly how I was gonna gonna you know cap that the best of both worlds. So definitely check that out basketballnews.com and we'll you know we'll circle back to that at the end. Uh, but you know for this conversation, let's go ahead and shift to the finals. I'm sure you've seen it on the timeline. We have a ton of folks kind of exposing themselves left and right, whether it's with articles or tweets or podcasts. Uh, you know after initially denouncing the Lakers' title chances, you know due to whatever reasons they chose at the time, uh, and then making sure that they predicted, you know, their opponent would win just about every round, if not every round. Uh, now those same folks, whether members of the media or simply our fellow NBA Twitter, you know, folks, they're either poo-pooing the accomplishment altogether or looking for, looking for ways to discredit the run. When in reality, you know, honestly, I'd have a hell of a lot more respect for these cats if they just came out and said, hey, look, I don't like the Lakers. I don't like your fans. And you know what? I, I hate your continued success and keep it pushing. Um, but, you know, what, what, what what's your reaction to that? Uh, all of the conversation you know, surrounding the, you know, the finals as opposed to the actual finals that we're watching? Well, I mean, you know, there's always whenever LeBron's in the finals, which seems like the last decade, he's been in pretty much every finals but one. Um, there's going to be a narrative type situation attached to it. Whether he's the underdog, whether he's the favorite, whether there's injuries or not, there's always going to be some sort of storyline and some sort of thing that people are going to want to attach to it. So with that being said, it's always interesting to see the jockeying of stories from game to game and day to day. It's, it's hilarious, to be honest with you. Uh, so with that being said, um, you know, to me, it's more of a situation where I look at it for the full season because it's, you know, I know I remember, I know you remember Mm-hmm. And like a year ago, from October, you know, last year this time, people had Lakers like finishing sixth in the West and fifth in the West, and they might make the playoffs. So they're a one and done team. And I Houston's remember. better, Utah's better, Denver's better, uh, the Warriors are better. You know, all these teams are better, and they weren't. But a lot of people just didn't really. They don't like. They don't like LeBron. They don't like the Lakers. So that's like a a win win for a lot of people. That's easy to root against when you don't like two things at once. So. Uh, it was pretty fascinating this last calendar year with everything that's gone on. But with that being said, at the end of the day, it shows you how many people don't watch these games because Anthony Davis has been a top five talent in this league since at least the last five years. And that's, you know, that's being nice. Uh, yeah. So with that being said, people underestimated his talent and what he brings to the table as well as how great LeBron is. And it was a perfect marriage. Look, it's as simple as this. There's a le- and and you know I, I'm honest. Uh, you know I give Josh a hard time, but honestly, you know, in, in reality, he knows what he's talking about. He you know, he may troll us at times, but you know, truth be told, uh, you know I, I've actually thoroughly enjoyed getting to know him on this show. But the truth of the matter is, you know, there's been a whole lot of folks that wanted it to be one way when it was simply the other way, <laughs> and, and and that's obvious, and that's obvious. So, but you know, keeping it in on those lines, does the perceived finals, you know, finals MVP battle, and like the legacy talk, you. Know, 
know, during the middle of a series mean that much to you in the moment as an observer? Or have you been able to filter out that and kind of focus on what has actually turned into a fun and far more competitive series than a lot of folks were giving it credit for headed into or at least after game one? Well, you know, the whole narrative talk is always wild before something's finished. You know what I mean? That's always because you just never know. Like, you know, we see the crazy things happen all the time. So you kind of want to just make sure that everything is finished before you start getting storylines. Uh, Lakers, at this point in time, they are very fortunate to have uh, two guys that are really good. They have Anthony Davis and they have LeBron James who are both playing at a high level. So with that being said, um, you know, it's a situation where, hey, um, they can really – go either way with these things, but I think the storyline is more for the media trying to sell, you know, trying to sell tickets, trying to sell papers, trying to sell links, trying to get clicks, all that stuff. That's what that's for. The players, it's really not that serious, but for everything else, it's more of a situation where, hey, at the end of the day, this is all about winning. It's about winning the championship. Whatever happens at the end happens, but again, the narrative sells the story. It leads off TV shows. It can carry a TV show for a whole morning if you let it. So that's where that comes in at. All right, so I you know, I often tell Josh, and you know he, he used to argue with me, but I think he actually you know somewhat agrees with me now. Um, I often say that you know we know what we're going to get for the most part, or at least primarily you know from the superstars. Uh, but it's the you know the difference makers oftentimes in it you know throughout the uh, the course of a series, or at least in key points of a series, are the other guys who have been the biggest other guys you know throughout this series on both sides. Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope for the Lakers. Uh, I think he had one rough game. I want to say it was game three where it was rough for him. But other than that, he's been playing very well um, on both ends, being able to hit open shots, being able to defend, chase around Hero and Duncan Robinson and whomever else they have out there uh, on the three-point line and just just making sure he's contesting a shot. Sometimes he's going to overcommit and foul a guy, but for the most part, he's contesting without fouling. I think that's huge. That doesn't get a, enough notice when we really consider how these things go. Um, a lot of players are able to contest, but they end up barreling over shooters. And next thing you know, a team like Miami that shoots seems like 90% from the free throw line, you give them six straight points or six free points, it could be a game changer in a sense. But he's been the Lakers' you know, best other guy, to say, uh, so to speak. He's been the most consistent throughout the series. Rondo's had flashes, but KCP for them has been that guy. And for the Heat, I don't know if he's an other guy, but probably hero probably. I mean, because Butler and Bam were all-stars. Dragic is like a, a really super above-average player. Hero is technically another. I mean, he's starting yeah, now. He's a rookie. He's, yeah, but, I mean, he's played so well for them, and he's done a lot of things for them. So, in a sense, you know, he's kind of an – I mean, in a sense, yeah, I mean, he's another – yeah, he's another. In this case, he is another. Even though he's played very well in these playoffs, he's been very good. And the biggest thing for him is that you got to account for where he's out in the court. You can't just lose him on a pick or lose him on a switch. If you do that, it's automatic three, it seems. So he's been the guy that has been probably the toughest other guy for the Lakers to actually guard throughout the series. Yeah, without a doubt. So, okay, so let me preface this by saying that in no way am I even intimating that Myers Leonard and Kelly Olenek are better than Bam. Of course, that goes without saying. But one of the things I did notice in game three, obviously being the one game the Heat won without Bam in the lineup, um, you know, was that while they clearly missed his defensive presence and his, versati- you know, his versatility, uh, I will say it did seem to open the floor up a bit more for Jimmy in particular when they ran with primarily the floor spacers out there. So, ask 
asking this for game five, you know, with that in mind, do you think moving forward, uh, Eric Spolstra can find a way to kind of maximize both the spacers, even with Bam, you know, alongside them for certain stretches? It's tough because Bam's only 6'9". If Bam was 6'11", Anthony Davis would have to guard him. But he's an inch technically shorter than LeBron, so you can throw LeBron on Bam because Bam won at 100%. He's not a true back-to-the-basket big. And at worst, he might weigh the same as LeBron. So that's not a matchup that LeBron's going to lose. So you can put LeBron on him or Morris on him, and then you could have AD on Jimmy Butler, and it doesn't matter what shooters you have around him, you don't need any help with Anthony Davis. You don't need any help. And he can, he's crafty enough to get over screens, contest without fouling when he wants to, and making sure he's able to make Jimmy work very hard to shoot over him or through him. And we saw how that worked out in the end of game four, the second half of game four, Jimmy was a different player. He wasn't scoring at will like he was in the first half and in game three. It was a totally different player. So as long as the Lakers have a healthy Anthony Davis being able to contest and give Jimmy Butler problems, they put all this floor spacing around him. It doesn't matter. Uh, that It's tough because even passing over a bigger guy is difficult. Yeah, no, like, and, and I hear you. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't anticipate AD, you know, locking, you know, locking him up. And I'm not going to say he locked him up. If I'm not mistaken, I think I saw the uh, shot chart when AD was technically the, you know, the primary defender. I think he was one for five against him. I didn't anticipate that, but I was actually glad to see it. I, I, in fact, at one point, I was saying, hey, look, you might need to go ahead and put, you know, LeBron on him. But you know, it, it's just a testament to, you know, to the versatility that AD brings on a nightly basis. All right, so you know, wrapping that up, do the, you know, do the Lakers wind up closing this out on Friday night, or could you see a way for the Heat? to apply pressure once again and force another one on Sunday. The Lakers have the two best players in this series. They have a situation where they're up 3-1. You have LeBron trying to get his fourth. You have Anthony Davis trying to get his first. They are going to come in with an urgency similar to how they came in a game one. I'm not saying they're going to win by 30 points because that's probably not going to happen because Miami's going to fight. But mm-hmm. the urgency will be there. I would be extremely surprised if uh, the Lakers came out flat. On Friday, I think there's going to be urgency on both ends, offensively and defensively, uh, to where they get the job done Friday night. It may not, maybe a close game, but I see them getting it done one way or another. Yeah, part of me feels the same exact way. Like they, they have to sense that the blood is in the water, and like, and, and also they have to respect Miami enough to recognize they can't play around. So yeah, like you, I think they close it out as well. But obviously, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. All right, so I want to get your thoughts on Doc's fit in Philly here in a moment, but first a quick word. You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open a DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees for their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. 
And we're back here with Jamison Welsh of the, once again, of the Posecast podcast for basketballnews.com. And let's slide it over to Philly because I want to know if you're Doc and I guess more, you know, specifically that front office, I suppose, you know, again, more specifically, um, where do you go with that roster? Do you think they even have the flexibility to do anything with any of those contracts to avoid having to immediately make a decision on Embiid and Simmons? Don't be surprised if you see Al Horford for Buddy Heald. I can see that deal happening. Interesting. The Kings, because the, the Kings, Kings wanted Al Horford last offseason. That's somebody that they actually targeted. He didn't go there. He got an offer from Philly, and he got you know he went to Philly. Um, Buddy Hill's a guy that he doesn't get along with the current coach. Uh, he kind of had some issues when he asked for his money. Um, you know, there the first time. It would not surprise me to see a move like that being made. They both have three years left on their current contracts, if I'm not mistaken. The money is kind of similar. Um, or it, it could definitely be made. It could definitely make it work if necessary. Uh, so that's a trade I can see happening. Um, but that same team, those four guys that make a lot of money in Philly, they can't bring all those four guys back and expect better results. Now, with that being said, Tobias Harris played his best ball of his career under Doc Rivers. So I think there's a plus there. I think a healthy Simmons is a really good player, and of course Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid. So if they're able to get rid of Horford and turn that into a positive. They'll be okay, but with that being said, um, they need more depth, and the biggest issue with them is health. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons f- tend to be hurt, not at the same time. They always tend to be not 100% when you need them to be 100%, and that's not good, especially with Embiid because he's rarely in shape, and when you're always nicked up, it's hard to stay in shape. So if he's able to get in great shape over this offseason, we don't know when the season's going to come back. If he's able to stay in shape, it don't matter who the coach is. They're going to be really good. But if he comes back drinking uh, the Shirley Temple juice again and being out of shape and eating late at night, then, yeah, it's going to be tough because they they count on him for doing so much. And your best player can't be huffing and puffing at the end of the second quarter and the middle of the third quarter every game. It just can't happen. Let's keep it there with a bit of a hypothetical because I think I mentioned this to Josh on the last episode, but Doc mentioned specifically wanting to speed things up. Look, the angel on one shoulder tells me that could simply be him looking to motivate Embiid and as well as everyone to you know, basically come in shape, uh, ready to push tempo next year. The devil on the other shoulder, you know, often wins out when it comes to these things. It just wins out in general. But uh, it tells me that, you know, what about the idea of at least that they are considering exploring moving the big man and reshaping the roster to go around Ben as the featured guy? So with that in mind, what would that squad look like if you're putting it together? I actually think they could still make, you know, even still they could make that type of deal because you're going to need guys like healed around Ben Simmons either way. So hypothetically, uh, what, how would that go for you? I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, you know, as good as Joel Embiid is, you can't trust him to stay healthy or in shape. Like he has proven he's proven not to be able to do so. So you're going to keep on trying to do something that the guy just don't want to do or has not proven to do. You're wasting your time and you're wasting prime years because Ben Simmons, he's had two serious injuries now. You know, we got to talk about that. That's something that, you know, we don't know how much time he has left. When you have, you know, back injuries, knee injuries, that's not foot injuries. Hey, you got something to keep an eye on. With that being said, I would still build around Ben because I think it's a lot easier for the fits around Ben. I think you can find wing players and guards that are offensive, creative enough to fit his skill set. Um, getting shooters, getting guys that can make plays off the bounce, letting him do his thing. I think we concentrate on what he can't do rather than focus on what he can do very well. And I think if we're able to just focus on, hey, this guy is a table setter. 
This guy is 6'10". He can grab the rebound and go, and he can find guys and get guys open shots repeatedly. I think that is key in this type of NBA that we have now. I would build around Ben. I would get rid of Joel just because of the injury history with him. He seems like he's one fall away from being done. And I'd be scared. Not being done forever, but I mean done being an elite player. And that, to me, is very scary. Look, we've seen we've seen how it goes for bigs, especially with injury histories that go back all the way, you know, uh, prior to even coming into the league. You know, and, and I'm not wishing anything negative upon anyone, specifically Joel. I like Joel Embiid, and I know that you you know you do as well. But like you, I'm of the same opinion. I'm of the same opinion. If I were to choose, and this is an if, because ultimately I don't think I think if Doc took that gig, he's going to want to see what he's got there, even though like it's been kind of obvious. Um, you know, even even prior to him getting there, uh, so I don't think they make anything anything any immediate move unless someone came at them with just a Godfather situation that you know like they 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 simply couldn't pass on. Um, but yes, like you, I agree. I think I would I think I would make that you know go that same route. All right, but what about Doc's old land or his old location? Where do the Clippers go for the head coaching position? And it, we'll, we'll, we'll follow up with where they go with the roster after this. Just from a head coaching perspective, where do they go? It seems like Ty Lue should be the front runner for that job. Mm-hmm. However, that job's been open for a couple weeks now, and there hasn't been any movement on there. So it's kind of odd. If you, you know, just think about it real quick. Um, you know, Ty Lue has championship experience. He has experience dealing with high-profile players with a lot of pressure situations based on a year-to-year situation, how it was in Cleveland with LeBron always signing one-year deals and one-plus-ones and whatnot. And that's basically what the Clippers have here when you have Kawhi and Paul George that can both opt out next offseason. So with that being said, to me, it seems like that's kind of the no-brainer. But you have Steve Ballmer who kind of took this front office and took the coaching staff as it was. You know, because when he got when he bought the team, he didn't make any wholesale changes. He kept everything for what it was. And a lot of times whenever an owner, you know, buys a team and obtains a team, they usually make their own changes and get their own people right away. Uh, he didn't do that for, with Doc for several reasons. The Steve Ballmer may want to make a change. He may want to have somebody totally new, somebody totally fresh, give somebody that give somebody a chance that we may least expect. It may be Sam Cassell. Who knows? But it seems like there's something random going to happen for that job. It doesn't seem like it's going to be Ty Lue for some odd reason. It seems like we're going to get a, whoa, like, they hired who? It seems like we're going to get one of those because it's taking too long. I think that if they were going to hire Ty Lue, I thought they would do, they would have done it by now. Yeah, it feels eerily similar to remember right around this time last year, or maybe a little bit, you know, a little bit before when the Lakers were in the running for Ty Lue, and it seemed like, okay, well, what's going on? It's been a week, you know, and then all of a sudden Ty was like, hey, look, I have this other opportunity. Thank you, but no, thank you. So I'm wondering the same. Look, I, it's it's interesting. I was on with uh, Roger Lodge. Roger Lodge told me, you know, he actually guaranteed me that Lou. Cassell, and I think he said Rex um, uh, Calamian, if I'm not mistaken on, on, on how to pronounce his name, and if, and if I have the wrong third guy, you know, forgive me, but I think he said those three guys, but he guaranteed me each will have head coaching gigs within the next year. And, you know, when I, like, again, when I was on with him the other day, so, it, you know, that's interesting to me, you know, as I immediately wondered, well, first of all, what did he, what does he know, and why is he so confident about that? Well, they're all qualified candidates. I mean, Ty Lue is Ty Lue. I mean, yeah. I think with Ty Lue, it's more of a money thing. He's looking for $7 million a year, and he should get it because there's other coaches making that kind of money without accomplishing anything close to what he has. Mm-hmm. So I get where he's coming from. He wants that full seven. However, with the economy the way it is, the way these owners and the way the league and all that, we don't know if owners want to really pony up that money for a coach. You know, because no one really knows the economics of the league right now. We just don't. There's so many unanswered questions. So I understand why there might be some hesitancy on that end. But with, with Ballmer, 
that's not the issue. So yeah. I'm very curious to see why Ty Lue hasn't gotten hired just yet, even though by our luck he'll get hired like right before this drops. But uh, <laughs> of course, you know, but it's just kind of <laughs> odd. But Sam Cassell is a guy that, uh, you know, he's a first time head coach. So his salary demands a little bit different, uh, but also other guys as well. I mean, uh, there's been Chauncey Billups. His name has been in the news a lot mm-hmm. for openings that have come up. I believe the Indiana Pacers job, his name came up. So there's going to be stuff coming on going forward regarding these particular situations. I'm going to be very interested to see how this plays out. But I do expect Ty Lue as a coach in the NBA next season. I do as well. I do as well. And if, it's, if it isn't with the Clippers, that's going to be really interesting. All right, uh, switching it over to their roster moving forward. Now, look, we uh, we know they swung for the fences last year. Um, yeah, even though like the jokes are the jokes and they're fun, I still would make that deal. And you know, not, you know, ten out of ten. And 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 you know, and obviously you have to you know you have to make the deal for PG in order to in order to get Kawhi. So you know, like I said, jokes aside, they still do it. But with that said. Uh, there, there's a lot of stuff that could be up in the air. You alluded to it earlier. You know, both you know Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George, not this season, but after next season, could technically be free agents if they if they so choose to opt out. But uh, for this year, I think I think I had the list here in front of me: Marcus Morris, Montrez, Jerry Michael, Patrick Peterson or Patterson, excuse me, and Reggie Jackson can each be uh, free agents this summer. Are you bringing any? Uh, how many of those guys are you bringing back? And you know, at, at what rate? especially for Trez. I like Jermichael Green. He's a guy that seems like he fits on a lot of different teams for what he does. He defends and he shoots threes at a pretty good rate. Uh, you know, it doesn't really mess up a whole lot. Like That's a guy I would definitely bring back. The rest of them got to go. And the reason oh, why man. Trez got to go is because he's a great regular season guy. He's mm-hmm. a guy when you're playing the average teams or you're playing the team that's on a third third night and four, uh, third game of four night situation that has that lack of energy, he's the kind of guy that plays very well versus that but the playoffs for his limitations and what he brings he's not that kind of guy and he probably lost a lot of money over the offseason or I'm sorry in the bubble regarding his performances because he just didn't have it out to it fairness to him he had a death in a family and everybody that affects everyone differently so I don't want to put that on him or say anything better like that because that's not cool but with that being said uh the bubble did not help his situation going forward even though he is with clutch and clutch gets guys paid I can see a sign and trade with him to going somewhere back east, whether it's Toronto, New York, wherever, somebody like that. I could see that happening, but I'd be surprised if they brought him back because he was one of the more vocal guys about some of the displeasures during mm-hmm. the year and even after the season as well. So I could see him being on a different team next year, making a having a new contract as well. Yeah, I could actually see that as well. Um, it, and it's it, that's an excellent point. Uh, you know, the difference between, you know, being a regular season player and, and, and a series player. You know, he's a guy that we saw, you know, he kind of got schemed and targeted off the floor. Uh, and then, and to be honest with you, part of in, in the situations where he probably should have been taken off the floor, that might be you know, part of why, you know, Doc's not, you know, no longer there. Um, but all right, let's go ahead and swing it back. You know, swing it over uh, across the, you know, across the building. Let's talk about the Lakers moving forward. One quick question about AD, Do, you know, your gut instinct. Is this new shooting? Is this something that, you know, is this something you'll know, do to special circumstances you know, of the bubble? Or is this something that, he, you know, he can actually build upon moving forward? Because let's be honest, I don't think even his you know, biggest, you know, uh, his biggest fans saw him shooting like, you know, basically postseason KD. Man, I forgot who tweeted it, but it was like, well, if Anthony Davis is going to turn to Kevin Durant from 18 feet, this is over. And yeah. that's exactly what happened. Uh, there was... 
definitely the Denver series for sure. He was basically automatic from mid range and even on out to the three point range. And then in the earlier parts of the finals, you know, when Miami was playing a certain way, he was just hitting jumper after jumper. And it looked like Kevin Durant. It really did. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, Kevin Durant's a totally different shooter. Yeah. But just in general, like, it looked like that kind of automatic clip. And if he's doing that with his skill set, it's scary hours for everyone else. And I think as the game grows, and that's, remember, that's the shot the defense wants to give you. They don't yep. want to give you the three. They don't want to give you a layup. So that 15 to 19-foot shot is going to be there. And if he's perfected that, that keeps the lane open for LeBron and whomever else Lakers may obtain in the offseason and going forward. So, yeah, it's the shot that I could see him perfecting over the you know, length of his career because it's, one, they're giving it to him. He's not going to get it blocked. And he, if you overplay it, he can go by you and dunk on whoever's under the basket. Yeah, I, mean, I think you summed it up perfectly. It's scary hours for everybody if that, if that becomes the regular, if that becomes the norm. All right, so Jameis and I go back about a decade now. You know, with doing this, he was actually my first park, uh, podcast partner, as well as a you know radio co-host. You know, momentarily back in the day. Uh, so we're gonna actually go out with a round of rapid fire instead of five dope minutes this time around. Okay, you okay. ready for this? Yeah, All right. let's let's go let's get started. All right, uh, I think I did five or six. We'll just quickly. Greatest season of the wire. I don't want a reason. Just tell me. Four is the greatest season. My favorite though is one but season four is the best fair enough if you were steve Ballmer, would you even consider moving the squad to seattle or do you think the eventual move to inglewood will be enough to distance themselves from the lakers and kind of finally sort of establish and actually cultivate their fan base a bit more will that you be enough pay, you don't pay that much money to buy the form to not even really use it to build your stadium in la to move to seattle you don't do that like he's you keep that team in la You've gone through all this. You bought that team. You paid LA prices. You got to stick it out. Now, if you want to sell the team and whoever buys the team moves to Seattle, that's a different story. But I don't see him doing all he's done and promise of building a new arena to move us to Seattle. Nah, he's staying in LA. Fair enough. Does the NFL wind up with a temporary stoppage similar to the NBA, even if for a shorter period or a shorter period of time, excuse me, or do they ride this out no matter what? Man, NFL's in a tough spot because. Stephon Gilmore just got, uh, you know, he just caught it. And there's pictures of him, you know, basically at the end of the game talking to Patrick Mahomes and dapping him up. Yep. If Patrick Mahomes gets it, who is the face of the NFL right now, there's going to be some decisions that are going to be made because <laughs> there's certain guys you just can't go without if they're not hurt. You yep. know what I mean? Like there's certain guys. It's like, for instance, if the NBA, if LeBron, Giannis, or Kawhi would have gotten it, or if Steph Curry or Durant, if they were playing, would have gotten it, yeah. there would have been a stoppage. It's just how it goes. It's just certain names – Certain faces you just can't, under any circumstances, go without. You just you just can't. And with the NFL, you know Brady, you know Rodgers, Mahomes, those are the guys that people watch no matter what. Whether they come on at Thursday nights, you know early Saturday game, early Sunday game, afternoon Sunday game, Sunday night, Monday night, people will watch those faces. If they're not playing, you got trouble. All right. I dogged I dogged out the conversation. I don't care. We're gonna you know, we, it's gonna be one of the last uh, questions. Who wins Finals MVP? <sighs> Anthony Davis should win it, but LeBron's winning it. Like Anthony Davis <laughs> on both ends, on both ends of. I mean, what he did to Jimmy Butler in Game Four was disrespectful. Like I haven't seen that in a while in a final situation. I've seen it regular season games. I've seen it in playoff situations. But to switch over to a guy that's has it going for like a game and a half now like he really has it going and it pretty much turn his water off without fouling and then still contributing and hitting the dagger on the other end 
that to me is more important than any stats that were obtained. Anthony Davis absolutely should win it, and I agree with you. It's probably going to end up being LeBron. But Anthony Davis absolutely dead. He deaded Jimmy uh, Jimmy the way that uh, uh, what's his name Weebay deaded them contracts in entourage. <laughs> All right, last yes, yes, last yes. one. Acknowledging they are different shows and different experiences, we can put that aside. If The Wire is a ten out of ten, what is Snowfall out of ten? Man, see that's not fair. All right, so, uh, yes, so I you, know. You comparing the, you know, on Twitter they got like the which chicken's the best. You got to get rid of one, uh-huh. fried, grilled, bake, all that. Like <laughs> chicken's chicken. Like I'm not gonna discriminate against chicken. Like I'm not doing that. Uh-huh. You asked me to choose between two iconic shows. Yes, Snowfall is an iconic show. Now no, the no, Wire no, no, is no, no, not Rushmore. You don't have to choose between. I'm just saying if if the if we if we both agree that the Wire is a ten out of ten. Now listeners out there, they may disagree. We do not care. <laughs> just w- out of ten, what is Snowfall? Nine point five, and that's because it hasn't had five seasons yet. I agree. Man, hey, I ain't gonna lie to you. Snow, hey, Snowfall is phenomenal. Plus, <laughs> we're from the West Coast, so it's different. It's way different. Like our connection, we know what the you know. I wasn't there in the eighties. Obviously, I was born in eighty six, but I. Heard a lot of stories about how L.A. was in the 80s and whatnot. So seeing that play out is very interesting to me. And I, it's uh, it's it's different. I was there. I got family. I got peoples. Definitely I, have family. Definitely. <laughs> I, I understand it. Yeah. So, it, so it, you know, we normally oftentimes we'll wrap the show up with like what to watch. That there is your what to watch from the two of us. If you have not gotten into Snowfall, I think it's on FX, right? If you yes, gotten, it's on FX. Yes. If you haven't gotten into Snowfall, make sure you check that out. It's phenomenal. Three seasons in. The fourth season should be coming up, but you know everything's delayed, so we'll see. Jameson, my man, I definitely appreciate you joining me today. Let these kind folks know where they can find your show, where they can find you on social media, all of that. All right, so it's a lot. Um, First, we'll go basketballnews.com. And again, thank you to Scott and Chad and all the great people there up top making things happen. I definitely love y'all. I appreciate y'all. Of course, Pose as well. Man, Pose is uh, when you work with NBA players, current or ex, you don't know what you're going to get. You really don't. Like a lot of people, anyone in media could tell you, like, it could be a great situation or it could be rough. Pose has been awesome from day one. Uh, he's a regular. He's the kind of player he was. He's the same kind of person. Like, he's a mm-hmm. cool dude, does, fills his role, does his role, and always willing to help, always willing to do his best for the team. And uh, he's been quite amazing. But basketballnews.com, all the great people there. Seems like every day we're adding somebody uh, and um, always going to be there with the postcast. Um, I live in Las Vegas, so I'm on ESPN 1100 uh, during the week. Uh, so whenever whenever there's a basketball topic, they uh, come plug me in. So we talk basketball during the week. Uh, also, 7.20 a.m. out here as well. I think it's Kadon Station. Uh, let's see. There's a couple other stations. There's an ESPN in Nebraska. I want to say it's 1485 yeah, or 1480. I apologize for people out there. It's a great show. I've been doing it for a while. Uh, that's also ESPN flagship also. Uh, but yeah, I'm, those are the outlets I'm on pretty much every week. Uh, on Twitter at the Jameson, T-H-E-E-J-A-M-I-E-S-O-N. And uh, yeah, I've been, been on there for a while. I've known you. I met you off there. So it's been a really good times. I've seen basketball Twitter grow from a pocket full of people to an actual thing to where Twitter actually flies people out to the finals games now. So it's uh, pretty amazing. 
It is amazing, and then, like I said, you know, like you just mentioned, and like I mentioned earlier, we go back a decade at this, and we, you know, it, it's been it's been a fun ride. So, again, thank you for you know, thanks for joining me, um, folks. Make sure you check out all of his fantastic content. Um, make sure you check out basketballnews.com. Make sure you check out the post, you know, postcast podcast. And I think that'll do it for today. So, but uh, make sure you tune in to us. Obviously, first thing Monday, as uh, I'll be back with Josh, uh, potentially recapping these finals. We'll see how things go this weekend. Uh, but also jumping into the top five comedic performances conversation that so many of you were kind enough to participate the wait is finally over and football is back you might not be at the game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline to online today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline your online sportsbook experts.